This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome to the Wednesday, July 19th edition of the PFF Forecast. We are recording this at 6.42 p.m. Wednesday evening, the eve of the British Open. Judah, Brad, and myself are going to be participating in our live drafts that we do for the op- or the major championships, I should say. We're going to talk about all the bets that we're placing, uh, which players we like. Brad has dug deep into data golf. Uh, Judah and myself, we have some analysis to add as well, some, some vibe-based analysis that we'll provide. Uh, and we've also got a couple of NFL futures that hit the market that uh, – are a nice opportunity. So if you are listening to this podcast, you will get hopefully some very good numbers on those. It'll be a very good podcast. Let's rock. Um, let's let's start with the NFL news because uh, if you are listening to this in time to get these numbers, you are going to be a very happy person. I will just mention that if you are listening to this late, you should join the PFF Printing Press Discord because there you will get this information right on time and you'll never miss a betting opportunity like this. Brad, I've been stuck in meetings all day long. Meanwhile, you've been mining for gold and you've found some. Yeah, and I would say there is no better shout out to the Discord than golf bets because the values just swing like crazy. Uh, So if you want to get some early edges, uh, I would definitely recommend hopping in there. But yeah, we're going to kick it off with two NFL futures uh, before we get into the open, uh, as they call it. So um, the first one is there was news today that the Patriots are going to bring in Leonard Fournette for a visit. Whether or not he signs, we'll see. It sounds like there is some optimism there. They want to bring him in. Ramondre Stevenson's over-under for rushing yards is still at 1,000 on DraftKings, which already was like a top five or six number. I know he has like a late second round, early third round ADP um, in most fantasy leagues right now, which I always was skeptical about. We, we, we know this team. We know the New England Patriots. They're a committee back approach. They drafted two guys last year, probably factoring as well, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris to some degree, but... But yeah, like Leonard Fournette is a is a touch hog. I mean, he's he was like second in receptions over the last two seasons of my running backs behind probably Austin Eckler and then him. Um, he's going to get short yardage work. He's going to get goal line work. He is going to get third down work, um, even though you probably don't think of him as that. So uh, I just love the under a thousand and a half rushing yards for Andre Stevenson. Good player, fun player. Just not how the New England Patriots operate. The the is this just showing you reverence to Leonard Fournette? Are people have we taken it too far? Have the books taken it too far with the hatred towards Leonard Fournette? Or do you think no respect for Lombardi Lenny? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And you know, like, let's be very clear here there is no doubt that Bill Belichick has this weird, like, love for Leonard Fournette. There's probably some combination of the fact that, like, Tom Brady played with him and and liked him, and I'm sure. 
that Belichick thought Fournette was an exquisite um, prospect coming out of college, but never had an opportunity to draft him or something like that. There's going to be some weird, like, reason that that the Patriots love this guy and he's going to end up getting a ton of touches. I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah, Tom called me in week 11 of 2021 and told a great story about Lenny, you know, bringing in cookies and brownies for the boys. And I just needed him in my locker room. Like that's, that story will inevitably come up. But yeah, like he's just, he likes keeping guys fresh. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't give one back all the work. No one does in the NFL in today, uh, today's day and age. So yeah, I, I like that one a lot. Honestly, like it doesn't even matter that it's Lenny. It's the signal that like they're looking for another yep. running back uh, and like, the Patriots forever have been this backfield by committee. And last year, I think because of injuries, or like Ty Montgomery went down, a bunch of their guys went down. They were kind of forced into giving Stevenson a role. And the, the books are kind of pricing that in. But this is almost a signal of like, no, that last year was the aberration. We're going to get back to uh, kind of our backfield by committee. Oh, it's a great point. It doesn't have to be Lenny. It's just the fact that they're bringing guys in and, and a big name too, though, where it's like, okay, they're trying to add a legitimate talent. They're not just trying to, you know, add any player uh, off the waiver wire, so to speak. So, so yeah, that's the first one. Uh, the second one is we've talked about these a little bit, but uh, the sack props on DraftKings as well. I posted probably six or seven unders that I like in the discord. It is a unders market. No question about it. As you like to joke, George, if you want to get limited, just bet a bunch of like under on sack props and stuff like that. Um, and you'll be making 18 cent bets in no time. But anyway, uh, in a turn of events and a twist of fate, I do love an over here. So we probably talked about on this show, Aiden Hutchinson at 10.75, which I think is a bit of a ludicrous number. Um, a guy in his draft class who went three picks later, who I think is probably arguably a better football player, um, is Kayvon Thibodeau with the New York Giants. And he's a full five sacks lower at 5.75. So a couple thoughts here. First, I think people kind of forget he missed training camp, missed the first week of the season, was working through an injury. We've historically seen so many rookies, even the highest drafted guys, if they miss time early on, their adjustment period's a little bit slower. They got to get worked into things, get ready to you know, adjust to the speed of the NFL game. So that's the first part. Second part, though, he had a higher pass rush win rate and a higher pressure rate for us last year. He plays in a Wink Martindale defense that is going to blitz a ton. They're going to stunt. They're going to do have games up front, do all sorts of different things. We know they have an elite interior duo and they do need some help outside of Thibodeau on the edge, but you know, him taking that step forward in the second year, I, I think is very, very likely his second half of the season was very strong. And I think it's just, it's crazy. He's five sacks below uh, Aiden Hutchinson here. So I like the over 5.75 and minus minus one ten. Interesting. I, that is, I guess I, it, my thing that I like to do is I often do on this podcast is to compare you know, prices between players where it's like, should these really be that different? And I think that's, you sold me on that one because because I agree with you. Now, maybe that the thought is they're going to be facing fewer passes overall than what the Lions and, and Hodgson would be be facing, but I can't imagine it's, it's that many. And yeah, that, that really is interesting to me. I like that number quite a bit. Get out there, George. So the one thing that I think the market does not appreciate for Hutchinson, Hutchinson had the second most pass rush snaps in the NFL last year. Like of all positions, all players, he rushed the pass for like 500 something time, maybe 600. It was a crazy number. Um, and yeah, like they're obviously going to play in a lot of high scoring games still. It's going to be there. But the Giants in the NFC, as sad as this is to say, are going to have a lot of leads in a lot of football games and probably will be facing a lot of passing in the second half of games. And so hopefully Thibodeau can just kind of tee off and, and close out some games. There's got to be a lot of injury risk, I would think, built into that number. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just a couple of games. 
with yeah, um, but after the beginning of the season, I think he was, he was pretty much fine. I mean, yeah, he had the injury in college. It's all been small stuff, though. I mean, yes, I just love the you know the coordinator you're working with is trying to dial up pressure almost every single snap. Um, the, the game script yeah. should be positive, maybe not extremely positive, but fairly positive. And I just think he's too talented a player. You know, again, sacks are random, but it's a low number. Yeah, I also I'm, I'm just gonna say I'm not at all sold that the market is in any way sharp on the sack props. This is actually something. Yeah. Uh, Arjun and I were betting all of last season. Uh, like the lines were completely off. I think this could be as simple as like Thibodeau had four sacks last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's like price out 17 games, maybe a little bit of injury because he only played 14 last year and like let's hang the line. Uh, I'm not sold. This is a particularly sharp market. Also, like no other books have it. So it isn't like something that's been, that's clearly not well developed uh, such that like books can easily hang a line. Uh, I think this is completely off. I mean, you, you could get this. You're talking about the who they're going to face. Dak Prescott has traditionally been very good at avoiding sacks. You've written about that in the past, Judah. Now, Jalen Hurts holds on to the ball for a long time. Uh, so that's one thing in his favor. The other thing is he's going to play the commanders twice a year. And look, we don't know. Sam Howell may light the world on fire. But, um, you know, there's a good chance that, uh, that that's not going to be the case. And so you've got a couple of games against, um, you know, a, a rookie there that, is has got a good chance to take sacks at a much higher rate. So I think those things certainly have it going for it. I think the one that you called out as well, Brad, which again, we may be doing more analysis than need be, which is like, this is just a terrible line and like no one's put any thought into it. But the market, I would say, is higher on the Giants and their ability to be good at the game of football and have leads than they should be. And so, you know, and we'll talk about this when we get to the NFC East, like they're going to face... Uh, fewer leads, I think, than people expect. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Uh, any other futures? That, that those are the only two. That's all we got. I got one. Oh, get in there. Oh, you a bonus? A bonus? A bonus coming in late. Uh, we got Quentin Johnson over 575 yards receiving. Uh, also on DraftKings. Um, honestly, the way I kind of approached this was like, let's take what. The line is for Justin Herbert's passing yards, which is 4,400, right? If we just divide Quentin Johnson's uh, projected total from Herbert's, uh, we're getting like 13% uh, of Herbert's passing total, which I think is a fair way of framing it. Uh, reports are early out of camp that he's like won the number three job. That makes sense. He was the first, their first round pick. They're planning for him to play. Receivers generally produce in their first year. There isn't such a steep development curve. And like, we're talking about a number three receiver for Justin Herbert. Oh, by the way, the number one and two receivers are old and injury prone. Uh, like just from opportunity, this guy, if he stays healthy, I don't even care how good he is. If he's on the field, he's going to get 575 yards. That's a tiny, tiny number. Uh, I think there's also, there's obviously upside here. And we talked about that in previous podcasts uh, with the rookie receiving market, but just like, this is a tiny fraction of a quarterback who's going to put up huge numbers. Uh, I don't know. I love this bet. I like it. Yeah, no, it's a good shout. Uh, go ahead, Brad, if you had any thoughts on there, because I was going to change it to a slightly different question. Change it, because I don't want to dive into a full AFC West pod. That'll, that'll come later. Yeah. We're, we're delaying that. There's too much to talk about the AFC West, so we're going to delay that until Sunday after the British Open and do a full detail on that. But our good friend, Timo, he likes to stir the pot a little bit at PFF underscore mood. And his recent, by the way, I, I should give him more credit than that. He's also right, like way too often. 
Um, he was one of the first people to sound the alarm about the overrated Pittsburgh Steelers back when they were undefeated. Um, I got a lot of the hate and then a lot of the credit uh, for when that, you know, actually turned out to be the case, but he was sending the alarm on Twitter. Uh, I think even earlier than I was. And he has been pushing back on this narrative that Joe Burrow is, you know, by a significant margin ahead of Justin Herbert and is, you know, decidedly in a tier kind of, uh, you know, either in that second tier with Josh Allen or, or just right behind Patrick Mahomes. And I'm curious how you guys view it. What's the difference if there is any, or would you rank them differently, Burrow versus versus Herbert? You take that one, Judah. Okay. Well, um, there's there's a lot here. Um, I think the problem with comparing the two is that Burrow understands his surroundings. And what I mean by that is he plays a certain game because he knows he's throwing the ball to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Uh, and I don't think it's kind of hard to isolate those contexts from the particular players, which is that like Herbert's been playing in a system that kind of forces him to check down. Uh, we know he loves to throw the ball deep uh, and he's a good processor. And I think if we like kind of put Herbert in the uh, Bengal system, we put, you know, Burrow in the charger system, it will look entirely different. So when we have these conversations like in a vacuum, I think for these particular players, it's actually very important to kind of make that distinction. Um, but look, I think, it's about kind of how each quarterback wins and like Herbert does uh, kind of a bunch of the things that a, a film guy would love, which is uh, he makes incredibly accurate throws. He's very decisive in the pocket. He has great anticipation uh, and he, he, he pops on film. Uh, I think Burrow uh, is very, very accurate and makes a lot of the right reads. And again, sometimes the right read is just throwing the ball to T. Higgins 40 yards downfield because it's a 50-50 ball, and T. Higgins is probably going to come down with that. Uh, look, all of that is to say they're both great quarterbacks. I think uh, if we're measuring it in a vacuum, I think I'd probably take Herbert. I think he is a better decision maker. That's kind of borne out in the data. Uh, more, more on that uh, soon. Uh, Burrow's more, more accurate of a passer, uh, but I think Herbert can kind of do – all of the things that Burrow can do and do a little bit more, which is kind of make those big time throws. Uh, I would take them more in a vacuum. If you're asking me about production for this year, given the context, I still take uh, Joe Burrow just because of his, the combination of his accuracy uh, with the receivers, especially with Chase and the uh, just like, I'll chuck it up to T Higgins 40 yards downfield because I can, and I recognize the single coverage. Uh, I still take the Joe Burrow production over Justin Herbert, but I think in a vacuum, Justin Herbert is actually a better quarterback. I have no notes. No notes. None. No okay. notes. Uh, let's let's do dig in more. I will delay, defer my thoughts until the AFC West podcast. But you give me some things to think about, Judah. Um, and I want to dig into that decision making piece a little bit as well. But I think this is a fascinating conversation. We'll get more into it on Sunday. That's a tease uh, for the century right there. Okay, we're going to get into the British Open here. In just one second, before we do, quick reminder that, um, look, you want to kick back. You want to watch the British Open piece this this, sun, this weekend, this entire weekend. You don't want to be sitting there worrying about, you know, gosh, are my investments in a good spot? Is my family safe? And if you have kids, you're probably well advised to think about the safety of your family. And that can require you to do some things that aren't super glamorous all the time, like get term life insurance, but that you need so that you can relax on Sunday, worry-free, carefree. And Fabric Bike River Life makes that possible. You might think that term life insurance is this pain in the you-know-what, 
It can be, but not with Fabric, where it's just 10 minutes to answer a few simple questions on a mobile phone. That's right. You don't have to go like call someone on some rotary phone um, and get a policy that is tailored for your family and your needs in under 10 minutes. Here's how you do it. You go to M-E-E-T Fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast and under 10 minutes, you will be on your way kicking back, relaxing and having no concerns during the British Open this weekend. That's meetfabric.com slash forecast policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, as we talk about with the US Open, we do a, uh, a little draft here. We're gonna talk betting uh, as well. Um, we are going to be selecting here in, in just a few minutes, our players for our British Open contest the, the picks, we have eight teams, eight contestants. Brad, you have uh, pick number four. Judah, you have pick number five. And I have pick number seven. Um, before we kind of, I mean, we probably can't give away our strategies here, but I'm curious, go to you first, Brad. Where would you want to be if you were selecting, just looking at the pool, looking at the players that you like, versus dislike, would you rather be where you are at the top or at the back end of the draft? And again, it's a snake draft. Yeah, so after we did this for the U.S. Open, I think we learned a good bit about it. I think we both agreed we'd like to be near the back initially. Um, and the way our structure is set up where it goes by earnings, but also, you know, total score, I think you do want one of the, like, clear favorites out of the gate. Frankly, I'll just be chalky as hell. I want the first overall pick so I can take Scotty Scheffler is what I want to do. <laughs> What about you, Judah? That was exactly what I was going to say, which is like, <laughs> I think the gap between one and everyone else is so huge just because of like the structure of our tournament lends itself that like the consistency of where I really, really puts a leg up uh, on the count. And even just looking at data golf real quick, like they have Scotty at 11% to win, Rory at 9%, and then John Rahm at 5.5% is the next highest. So like they also think there is quite a drop off. And I know George's not a Rory guy. Um, I hate betting the guy who just won the Scottish because it's just like it's too good to be true. Um, but I, but I kind of agree with that that analysis to be honest. I mean, I would. Uh, I, I'm with you there in terms of I think I would want. Um, I would want that pick. I would want that top pick, and I would take Scotty Scheffler. It's it's interesting though because I guess with Scotty, I just have this vision of him missing five foot putts. It just over and over and over again, it feels like every time I see him on the putting green, he misses a putt. Somehow the dude is always top five, um, but he's the best ball striker in the game right now. It's not even particularly close. His consistency is amazing. And, and if you're betting, you know, to win top 10, top 20, like, you know, he he's, his odds are just going to be terrible. But in this situation, uh, I would want him hundred percent. I do not love being in the back um here but i think i like it a little more than your position brad at four would you would you rather have my position at seven or your position at four i actually now agree with you um where like i mean I, i'm gonna get a good player but i'd rather have seven and ten than four and you know whatever the number is I'm not trying to look dumb on a lot 15 16 17 whatever the number would be uh because i do think there's also like there's a cluster uh, again we're not trying to give away strategy here but like 
I don't know if like Jordan Spieth's going to be a first round or Morikawa can be a first round, but then you get into the the back half of the second round and you're throwing darts at Shane Lowry, Hideki Matsuyama, Wyndham Clark, Tony Finau, like good golfers, but all those guys could miss the cut and I wouldn't be all that surprised by it. Whereas I think, you know, you're in that range I just mentioned just above that. And I think those guys are at least going to be, you know, top 25 players in this tournament. What about you, Gino? Where would you rather be? Uh, I think back of the first round. Um, I mean, honestly, for, for me, I actually think it's a big cutoff after four. Uh, so I'd take Brad's spot. Um, but if I'm if I'm in five, I'd rather be the background for all the reasons you just mentioned, which is kind of this. I'll, I'll save your guy for you, Judah. Who do you want? I'll I'll, I'll leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What would you pay? What would you do? Last yeah. round, I was before Brad, and I got multiple. Oh my god, you took my guy. So I guess oh, it's, it's just this me. time. Oh, good. I'm glad. All right, let's get into the uh, the betting side of things. Um, Brad, where do you want to start? You want to start with matchups? Yeah, we can kick it off with matchups. I'll just do the overarching, you know, what our narrative is, what our thesis is here, what we're looking for when we made these bets, and then we can get into the bets themselves. So um, this, this this tournament, the, the British Open, is a link-style golf course. For those who know what that, know what that means, it's usually no trees, wide open course, um, but there's going to be a million bunkers. You're going to have to deal with some rough. There's going to be narrow fairways where they're going to declare you as out of bounds. Unlike, I think we've vented about this before, where you can, like, launch point into the bleachers get a kick off of a, a fan's kneecap and then have a nice second shot that's not going to happen uh at the british so anyway what we're looking for in terms of the, the the stats that matter to us driving accuracy distance not that important but driving accuracy is big uh your proximity to the green uh, or to the hole from 200 plus uh on your approach there are i think five par fours that play 450 or larger those are going to be some really interesting holes either you're going to you know score poorly or make up ground on the rest of the competition i mentioned all the bunkers strokes gained around the green and sand saves is huge here as well um and so th those are the big ones you, you also do want to be a good scrambler you want to be able to putt decently well but frankly there's not a lot of breaks in these greens. If you get close, you should be able to make putts, even if you're Scotty Scheffler. Uh, so really, it's just driving accuracy, long iron, you know, accuracy and success, um, and and then the, kind of the sand save around the green. So that's where we start. A couple matchups that we love here. So uh, Jordan Spieth. Question actually, yeah, yeah go Brad, ahead. before you mention matchups, because I like that you set the context there. Um, the two two questions actually. One is I think the traditional narrative is that at the British Open things run for miles it kind of equalizes the long hitter short hitter um you know situation um so is that something that you believe is is a, a narrative that will actually play out and then the second one is around the weather and how that plays into things if there's a you know for example like a window of the day thursday friday that makes more sense and or like is it going to be you know i think it looks like it's gonna be windy and rainy and, and how that impacts what you're looking at shout so yeah you always do expect there to be some weather it's almost part of the tournament they they want there to be some wind some rain um this year's forecast at least compared to historically isn't that bad i think there are supposed to be some showers on friday and saturday i want to say it is but i don't think it's going to be like i think they play through it I, I would be surprised if they actually leave the course and i think there's scoring is going to be low on Thursday. It's supposed to be good conditions. And when there is good conditions, I think guys are going to be shooting low sixties and really getting some good scores out there. So, you know, you also want guys that are going to go out there that can score on par fives, 
that can really build up a lead early on um, and maybe carry it through the weekend. But yeah, it, it's not as bad as normal. Um, as far as I've looked at, I've looked into a bunch at, at Hoylake. Um, the wind's not crazy. They don't seem to mind rain all that much. So certainly can be a factor. Doesn't seem like a huge one uh, as far as I can tell for this weekend. So um, so yeah, it, it, it does equalize players, I think, to a degree. I mean, you still need to be long. It's it's uh, it's the biggest differentiator in golf right now is if you can you know drive it 350 yards, but um, less so than, than a U.S. Open track or, or you know a PGA track or, or things of that nature. So with that in mind, we definitely do have some guys that we love that are not the longest of hitters. Um, so first matchup plays right into that. So Jordan Spieth uh, has finished top 20, I think, like five of the last six years this tournament. I think he's won it once. Could be wrong on that, but anyway. We're getting him at plus odds against Dustin Johnson, who did have a good run um, the last major in the first couple of days. And I think he fell off a cliff over the weekend, if I remember correctly. But, you know, DJ is just hanging out on the live tour, just collecting his checks, hanging out with Paulina Gretzky. He, he seems a little bit checked out. Spieth has been playing very good golf. He's been driving it extremely accurately, which can cause him problems when you see him like under trees trying to hit balls out of, you know, bushes and stuff. There's been a lot less of that. So. I love speed at plus money over Dustin Johnson. You can get that at plus one hundred five on DraftKings. Love that. Um, speed. How has Speed played recently? Because I feel like I have not seen his name. What I remember recently is that he was having some wrist uh, issues. If I remember correctly, is he over those? How do you, and how, how do you? Speed is weird because I feel like his previous performance. It almost it feels like it never matters. Um, uh, you know, sometimes it's just like the, he gets up to the majors and figures it out. But is that something that you're concerned about at all with him? That was about six weeks ago. He's played a couple tournaments since. I'm not concerned about the risk there. Um, he He's played, well, the last two weeks he's been, or, you know, two weekends. He's been in the mix. Hasn't won. It's probably why you haven't thought about him. But certainly been in the mix the last couple tournaments. Uh, and, and I do, I kind of agree. His form is, is, is all over the place. But he always plays well in Lynx golf. I think he is kind of a Lynx golfer. He's a magician around the greens. He's a good long iron player. And frankly, when the driver's working for him, which it is recently, um, I think this course stacks up beautifully for Jordan Spieth. I'm honestly a little bit surprised where his odds are in the market. I don't hate him hate him as a straight-up play either. So, yeah, that's our first one there. A guy I mentioned on the pod uh, on Sunday, uh, Byung-Hun An, uh, minus 115 over Louis Oosthuizen. Oh, look, of course, Louis Yu, you know, shows up for majors, is obviously from overseas, is a good Lynx player, but just has not played good golf recently. Um, You know, I'm super high on Byung Hunan. I think he's going to have a very good tournament. He was 180 to 1 when I gave it out. I think he's 130, 120 now, depending where you look. You can get him minus 115 on FanDuel against Louis Yu. I like that one a lot. And the last one, our good old friend, our dear pal, Christian Kirk. Uh, Chris Kirk is his actual name, but we'll always call him Christian Kirk. Uh, minus 110 over Patrick Harrington. So I think you're getting prices here where if guys are from Ireland or or you know Britain, they just get these like there's just all this deference. But Chris Kirk is one of the better long iron players on tour right now. Um, is good out of the rough in his approach game as well. Has been playing good golf. I'm not sure why this is minus 110 over. I mean, a great player, a multi-major winner and Patty Harrington, but the guy's probably 55 years old at this point. I could be off on that, but I think that's right. I think that's close. Okay. So we, we had the first pick in the draft happen. Not surprisingly, it's Scotty Scheffler. Now I'm curious, who do you guys see if you are, if you are picking in the two slot, maybe the right phrase would be, you know, if you're setting the odds, but like, who are you taking? Can you divorce your feelings? I don't know if I can divorce my feelings for the player from who I would select. Who are you taking the two slot, uh, Judah? 
it's got to be McElroy. I mean, just even taking a look. Does at it the, have to be? Is there a rule? Yeah, it's just like the expectation is so much higher. If you look at any, uh, I mean, look, does it have to be? No. Is he playing good golf right now? Yes. Uh, if you look at any market, is he the clear number two here? Also, yes. I think you got to play the odds. He's also, he skipped a bunch of media. Like the dude is dialed in. I think he's done with all the BS. Also, I love Rory. I, I, I'm fading the the anti-Rory narrative. Uh, always mm. have loved him. Always rooted for him. I, I, but I don't, I don't like taking Scottish winners, but yeah, I'd probably take him still. I would, uh, I think it's hard to, to disagree with the math here. So I agree with it. Um, I would be tempted though, to go with, with Kepka. Um, has not won a British Open yet. Seems to be in a really good place, both with his game and mentally. We know how important that is. Um, it's far enough away from his win at the PGA where I think he's gotten that out of the way. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think if I were picking in the two spot, that would be my debate is McElroy versus Kepka. And my heart would say Kepka by a mile. And I think my head would be would be challenge pick McElroy. Just just to let everyone know, the person in our league that is in second is probably the only person that can't stand McElroy as much as me. And so whether he actually selects McElroy will be very interesting. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I think he I don't think he's gonna Ooh. take McElroy. I think he hates him more than you do. Just took him. <laughs> just took him. Oh, he did? Oh he did. I'm genuinely surprised by that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> In style, no less. Yeah, he, he made it clear that he's not a fan. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry, that, that took me off um, plugging his name in there. All right. Uh, so someone is now picking third, which means, Brad, you will be up picking fourth here in just a second, which means it's a perfect time because everyone's waiting with bated breath who you're going to select. To remind everybody that if you are preparing yourself for this upcoming football season. It's hard to place a ton of futures bets. We gave you a couple today. You can go place those on DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. But you may be trying to get yourself your redraft uh, football league. You're trying to kind of figure out what fantasy is like. No better place to do that than at DraftKings with best ball tournaments. The beautiful thing about best ball, you do not have to add, drop, trade, start, sit. Should I play this guy? Gosh darn it, I made the wrong choice. All you have to do is draft a good team and then the best players play for your team each week and you can participate in a $10 million set of guaranteed cash prizes with $1 million going to the top prize. And here's how you do it. You go download the DraftKings app, sign in or sign up, I should say with promo code PFF and start playing best ball today. You will get your first entry fee of $10 back in 10 DraftKings dollars when you use the promo code PFF to sign up. So you should go do that right now on DraftKings and the DraftKings app if you have a gambling problem call 100 gambler one per customer opt-in required with ten dollar entry fee bonuses issued in 10 dk dollars age and eligibility restrictions supply void where prohibited see draftkings.com slash promotions for details it ends 8 9 23 um all right ricky fowler was selected third this is a big uh a, a, a very interesting pick ricky fowler is 25 to 1 to win um, again, being picked in the third slot is surprising. So Brad, I am guessing this is going to help you out a little bit. I don't know if it does, but why don't you talk us through your pick? I love that. That is great news for me. Look, we all love Ricky. Who doesn't love Ricky? But I was not considering him in any way, shape or form of my pick. So I am right now between 
Brooks Kepka and Xander Shoffley. Shoffley is the guy that I simply cannot quit. I bet him, I think, every major the last five years. Um, the course does line up well for him. I already have a future on him, though, so I'm thinking I might go. Why not just go with the best major player in the world and just go with yeah, Brooks? Yeah, and Patrick Cantley, you get a nice backdoor tied for eighth where he shoots a 64 on Sunday when he's 15 strokes back. But Patrick Cantley special. Yeah, no, I'm going with your guy. Uh, and I think Judah should be happy about this. I think it, it lined up well for both of us. But I'm putting in Brooks Kepka. Let's do it. I'm devastated. I wanted Brooks really badly. Um, this is hard. This is why drafts suck and auctions are better. But I'll shut up. Judah, you're on the clock. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I think – I mean, I wanted Kepka. Uh, I do love love Shoffley. I think it's got to be John Rom though. Uh Yes, he has not been in good form recently. This is still the number two overall golfer in the world. At some point, uh, he's going to to turn the corner. Uh, it's a classic sample size thing, right? You can pay attention to to short term or, or long term. Uh, I'm going to side with the with the long term here and go with Rom. I'm a little a little disappointed. I I couldn't uh, jump on Kepka. Yeah, thirteen to one to win. Um to win it all. Now you uh, said you had four guys that you felt strongly about. Was that Scheffler, McElroy, Kepka, and Ron? Yeah. And a big drop off after that point. Um, okay. So I I'm picking in seventh, just, just to continue this narrative. There's one person they're picking in sixth. I am very nervous because uh, I very much want Xander Shoffley. I do not want to pick Terrell Hatton. I'm not picking Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think I would end up going with Cameron Smith uh, if Shoffley were off the board. Um, in fact, I think it's a debate between the two of them. It is really hard to repeat, um, but I, I don't know. I guess, it, did you guys, would you guys consider Smith versus Shoffley here? And neither of you have brought up Smith thus far. He was a guy that we liked um, a lot a couple of weeks ago. Definitely would consider Cam Smith as well. That was going to be, I thought that was my pick. At five, uh, if I saw this going, how it would I mean? I'll, contrary to what I just said, again, it's all relative to expectation. I mean, he's playing tremendous golf in his last uh, bunch of rounds. I think uh, what his last couple of finishes are uh, in live. It was first, twelfth, fourth, ninth, ninth, second, sixth, third. Uh, this guy's yeah, in elite been, form yeah, right now. Uh, he's been great. I, I am a Xander fan traditionally that has hurt me uh when i've picked with my heart so we shall see i have someone picking uh, ahead of me and so um we'll see what they end up with um all right let's let's get back in into some bets here um and brad i forget where exactly we left off but uh where, where do we want to go next in terms of the uh the betting opinions yeah, so we, we did our matchups um there is one top 10 I like, uh, and then I have well, – let's go to the winners first. Let's get right into the winners here. So um, the biggest thing is line shopping is incredible for golf tournaments. I'll just start with start there. Uh, Tom Kim is 75-1 to 1 on Caesars. He's 45-1 to 1 on DraftKings. I didn't find him anywhere else. So just a massive, massive disparity there. Um, coming up with top 10 last week, the Scottish. He actually doubled the last hole and I think bogeyed 17. So he probably should have finished like second place. Um, but playing very good golf. The course lines up well for him. I've talked about him multiple times. Um, another line shop that we like here. This is a deep cut. Go go ahead. I just want to interrupt. Tom Kim, you can get 80 to 1 on FanDuel. That's uh, that's gonna be your best odds. 
There you go. Appreciate that. Yeah. So I don't know why DraftKings has them at 45 to 1, but nevertheless, please line shop. You'll get twice as good of odds if you look around. So my favorite long shot besides our guy, Byung Hunan, is Nikolai Hogard, who is 175 to 1 on Caesars. I think he's 135 or 125 on DraftKings. Um, been playing good golf of late. Is a very, very strong long iron player. Uh, I think was one of the best, maybe in the second best uh, over 200 yard iron approach shot player, um, according to Data Golf. So, so we like him as a long shot. Then a couple more favorite guys, guys that I thought would be first round picks in our, our draft here. Xander Shoffley at 25 to 1 on Caesars and Tommy Fleetwood, who has has a one for us, but we've taken him top 10, and I think he's hit for us every time we've done it. Uh, he is 28-1 to 1 on DraftKings. So those are the four winners that I like for this weekend based on value. like those. Judah, any uh, others that you, um, that, that Brad did mention that you like? No, I don't I don't think so. There, there's, I think you've got some some good ones there, Brad. I, I think there's, um, I, actually, maybe you did mention this guy, but not as a winner. I'll say this for the for the guys that I, I don't think are winning uh, contenders. If this guy won, it'd be kind of a cool story, but I just I don't see it happening. Okay, um, I'm up. Victor Hovland was picked. I think that's a bit of a, um, I guess a, maybe a bit of a surprise. Um, Smith and Cantlay have better uh, odds than he does. Shoffley at 22. Uh, along with Hoblin. I, I'm going to go with Cam Smith here. I remember right after the um, uh, U.S. Open, we talked about players that we liked for the British. That was the guy that we talked about. He's only played good golf since then. And actually, in thinking back to that, what I was reminded of was Shoffley going 62 in round one and then taking a giant dump on the course later on. And um, I can't have that. So just to be just so people know, the way that we uh, allocate winnings is the the three lowest scores, and then there's a bonus for the most money prize money one. So that most prize money one is basically going to whoever picks the winner of the tournament. And I think Smith has a better chance to win the tournament than Shoffley does. So uh, I am going with Cameron Smith. Um, back to back champ, running it back. Back. Champ. I don't hate it at all. Running it back. Team live. Um, we are team live. Um, okay, let's uh, let's do a quick. Let's get one more um, one more note for the people out there. Uh, smooth sack summer. I didn't I didn't have a great transition there. I'm not going to lie. I, I really couldn't think of much. Um, but uh, you know what's what's smooth like a golf ball. Hopefully your sack once you use Manscape. Uh, Manscape with promo code PFF gives you 20 off plus free shipping. I use it. Brad uses it. Judy uses it. It's a fantastic product. Um, I, I've been using the, the manscaped lawnmower well before it was in 4.0 form, but now in, as the lawnmower 4.0, it is cutting edge technology, long battery life. I'm traveling right now. I'm in Cincinnati. I didn't need to bring a charger for it. Uh, it's got a flashlight. It works. It travels easily. It's fantastic. And now they've got a wonderful facial hair kit that I traveled with as well. Um, comes with a nice little traveling case. Uh, you don't need 45 different clip-ons to, to make it work at the right uh, length that you need. Um, and it's super high quality. So if you take the kind of the guard off, it'll it'll give you a nice close one for the for the neck um, and it won't uh, nick you up. So go to Manscaped, use promo code PFF. The summer is here and you need to be in good shape. Smooth sack summer, make it happen. Manscaped.com, promo code PFF, 20% off plus free shipping. 
All right. Um, so now we're into uh, some some of the positions, um, top five, top 10, make cut. Where do you look at, uh, Brad, in terms of this? Do you like betting 20s, top 10s, top fives, make cuts? What, what is Where's your head out there? Yeah, so like we've talked about, sometimes we stagger on an individual player. Otherwise, I'll look at, you know, do I think this player is actually going to contend? Because really, I think the question is, like, if you think a guy could win, then you should be placing top fives and top tens. If you think a guy can stick around, shoot a couple 200 pars and, and finish top 20, top 30, maybe you're more open to it. So I think it's how a player scores. Is he a guy that's streaky and can get super hot and and fire a 62? Or is he a guy that just doesn't really do that, but just plays solid golf? Um, but also, I, I will look at the disparity in price, too. And if I just think that there's... You know, I find it funny, the gap between 20 and 10 or something like that. I'll maybe jump on a particular one. Um, I only have one I like here, which is uh, Brian Harmon, who is probably about oh. five foot. Oh, yeah. Probably about five foot three. And he's a lefty. And I love him. Love the guy to death. Always have. Always will. Um, his top 10 on on, on uh, BetMGM is, is plus 650. Another guy that, you know, I think around the greens, he's going to pick up some strokes. He is a pretty good putter as well. And yeah, he's not the longest guy at the tee by any stretch of the imagination, but has been playing good golf. And if things go his way, I think he will be around uh, this weekend. I was, when I said I had a guy that I was going to wait for, because I didn't think he could win, but I loved him. This is Brian Harmon. He's gone, uh, he's gone T12, T9, T2 in his last three. He's yep. performed well in majors overall, positive strokes gained in, in those he was tied 43 uh, in the U.S. Open. Now, he didn't make the cut in the PGA or the Masters, but at the Open last year, T6. Um, and if you go back to 2021, was t uh, T19 um, in the 2021 Open Championship. So this is when I talk, when I ask you that question about guys that hit short, but that I uh, that you think can can perform well, um, you know, uh, because that that kind of the, the equalization uh, of the, the distance this is who I was thinking about because um, he just does not hit the ball very far. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I love Brian Harmon. We're, we're all in on him. I wonder who will get him in our uh, tournament. I think he'll be like an early third. Eh, maybe that's a little bit rich. But, yeah, no, I mean, he's been particularly good at, like you said, he was, uh, was he four, uh, eighth last year, T19, the last two years at the Open. It's just, you know, Lynx Golf, I think, is his, is his bread and butter. Yeah, I like Harmon. Um, any ones that, that stick out to you, Judah, in terms of guys that might not have a chance to win, but that you like maybe as a T5, T10, T20 guy? Um, I, the one guy I've got is Alex Norin. This is a long shot That's again. Right. Uh, similar to what we, we said uh, on Sunday. Probably not a guy who's going to win. I see him at 300 to one. I think maybe I saw 350 to one earlier. Maybe that's on a different book. I'm not exactly sure. But a guy who has put together some ceiling performances, if you look at, you know, Data Golf's expected wins, uh, it's at 1.2. He's a guy that's really low down. Um, I think you can, you know, if he puts it together, it's not necessarily going to be a winning performance, but someone who can come in the top 20, top 10, uh, and that's at seriously long odds. Uh, and especially if you get kind of even a good first day, uh, that presents a lot of live betting opportunities um mm -hmm. i always love going for for that long shot uh, and kind of playing the value there yeah i'm kind of that um where where do you stand on cameron young brad i mean he obviously came in second last year i just his form recently and he was decent i think last week at, at the scottish maybe two yeah. weeks ago I'm starting to, everything's jumbling together i've been too too deep in the weeds but 
I just don't think it's his tournament. I, I just don't think it lines up particularly well for him. Um, he just hasn't had his long irons into the green. He just hasn't given himself putts to make. And I think he's going to end up with a bunch of 30 and 40 footers to lag putt. He'll leave himself knee knockers five, seven feet long and not make a lot of them. Um, I, I just don't love it. As much as I want to bet the guy every single weekend, I, I just don't think this is his week. I do have one more. Uh, and speaking of smooth sack summer, actually, I have one more guy Ooh. I like. who I don't think he's going to win, but I do like him in, in, in some exotics, some top 10, top 20. That would be Taylor Gooch. That's why I said it's a smooth sack summer uh, segue there. So Taylor Gooch on the live tour, uh, good, good golfer, good player, um, a very good iron player, good ball striker. And uh, he's not going to win by any stretch of the imagination, but I do like him in, in a, a top 10, top 20 type of bet. Yeah, uh, no, that's, that's a good call out. Um, another guy that, uh, so it's interesting. Wyndham Clark, 55 to one. Bryson is 60 to one. He's been, I've been impressed with Bryson's game. I've been a Bryson hater. I do think that his game has matured a decent bit now in the, um, in the U S open, he, he faded a little bit, had it, but I, I don't know. It, it, it felt like something was getting closer to clicking uh, for Bryson. And so he's another one. I think both he and young, I get what you're saying in terms of, it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's their tournament. But, you know, these narratives happen and come up for a reason now. Uh, you know, the, the, you didn't expect him, but they show up and all of a sudden you're talking about him. He was T20 in the US Open. He was T4 in the PGA. Um, in London, he was T11 in, in Live. Came in second in Valderrama um, uh, in, in early July. So he has been playing well. And I think he's got the mental maturity now to perform well at a... British Open, where I just didn't think that was something that he could kind of wrap his head around. He was so, you know, kind of focused on just bombing it super deep. Um, but this is a guy that hits. He, Tiger used to dominate the British Opens. He would hit long irons just so incredibly well. He would do it off the tee. He just pounded those things. I think that is something that DeChambeau, his ability to hit his lower clubs just miles and miles and miles i think will pay off a little bit here so he's another long shot um that uh i think he and young have really long odds relative to their talent and, and their you know kind of ability there so i always kind of look for that right who's a guy that if they put it together their talent and ability they're, they're going to be able to win the tournament um and those are two guys that stick out to me where they have really long odds and it's like look if things click no one's arguing with what they can do if they have to put it together. I like Bryson a good bit, actually. I, I you know, I, I get why you buck them together because they, you know, drive the ball a country mile, but his long irons have been phenomenal. Uh, I think it's actually the highest rated. It's tough with live data on data golf, but I think he has the best strokes gained per stroke on irons from 200 plus in, in all of golf this year. So because he's hitting, he's hitting seven iron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the, the reason for that is that he's got. You know, the way that he constructs his clubs, the way that he lofts them. Uh, I mean, he played with Brooks, I think it was at the U.S. Open, and he was legitimately taking like a club or two different from the same yardages. And the reason he was able to do that is because he's got slightly different lofts. And I mean, the dude just pounds the ball. So that gives you a um, a good concept of it. I, I, I um, it's a it's a good call out that. You know he has performed better than Young with the, with the long irons, and that's a that's a key piece. I think that the concern would be, and neither of them are great putters. My concern is when I will watch Bryson putt; it makes my head hurt. Um, 
you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's brutal. It's like, it's not quite Adam Scott level, but it's close oh. where it's like, they're just, you know, there's just no, no shot. He's actually made a couple of long putts. I did more than the look in the setup. Um, he would have been like a 10 major winner if he could putt though. Like he's one of the most infuriating yeah. golf. Also, this is a random tangent, but no one likes golf announcers mention how handsome Adam Scott is maybe five times a tournament every single weekend. It's like, we get it. Like the guy it's, it's crazy. Listen for it and you'll, you'll hear it. Oh, I, it, it's that. And you know, golf commentary, we can talk about this a bunch. Um, golf commentary is so funny. Um, but like every time, like, you're watching a tournament. They'll go to one Adam Scott swing, and without fail, you'll get some kind of muffled voice. It'll come in, you know, Roger. Is there anyone that has a better motion than Adam Scott? <laughs> and it just yeah, like, the other guy's help. like, and his jawline too, right, Jim? And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, what? What? <laughs> He's got two oh seven to the front, and is there anyone that's got a better motion than adam scott <laughs> <laughs> you're right though every single that smooth swing and that stubble he's just a like wait a minute what are we talking about <laughs> yeah I mean, you could copy anybody's swing wouldn't it be adam scott's and then he gets yeah, up there so true three jacks from 10 feet um, okay, <laughs> with this long ass putter yeah exactly <laughs> let's get out of here on this uh we are at the last major of the season we're going to do a quick power ranking of the majors, Ooh. the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British, and the PGA. Um, Judah, I will make you go first, and then Brad, you can go second. I mean, you're new to golf, so you've got to. You, I, I want the newbie's perspective on golf. Yeah, I mean, this I haven't even done a full cycle, right? I I missed the Masters, mm -hmm. right? I was not yet oh, there. Okay. I was not. I was not yet in my uh, my golf days. Um, whew, I mean, I think the Masters got to be number one. Uh, I don't even I don't even think it needs explanation, right? From a newbie's perspective here, I think it's got to be the PGA Championship. It's like the the kind of post Masters. There's a little bit of time usually uh, between. I certainly hold a special place in my heart. It's the tournament that got me into golf in the first place. Um, so I think I, that that's my number two, uh, Scottish open, I think it's gotta be number, number three, British, British, whatever the British <laughs> open, the Scottish open, You're gonna offend uh, some people. sorry, the open, the open, right? That's, yeah, the that's there, you go. There, you the go. there you go. That's gotta be number three. And I think it's just the timing of it. Uh, right. Like end of June, people are still feeling good. It's spring. There are lots of other things going on. Uh, maybe you'll catch the, you know, back ends of like the, the Stanley cup playoffs or the NBA playoffs. That's the it's other things are happening now at, at the open. We're in the middle of July. Everyone's just like dying for camp to start. There's baseball going on, but most people don't like baseball. Mm -hmm. A little sad, but that's okay. Uh, we got like, this is the last kind of, this is the last push, the last golf tournament before we're, we're full on football season. I think that's gotta be number three. I think the funny yeah, I'm, I'm very different as well. I was going to say the the Masters is number one. Maybe the simplest way you can sum this up: the guy uh, in Saudi Arabia who tried to shoehorn a membership into Augusta as part of the Live PGA merger, 
And I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if the entire plan was just to get into Augusta and everything else was kind of just gravy. Like he was like, yeah, like I'll spend a hundred billion dollars and I'll get into Augusta and you'll figure out the rest. So a tradition unlike any other at the masters by a mile. Um, I will go, you know, you know, what's interesting is obviously you can't watch as much British, you know, the ting off at one 30 in the morning this morning, but that's Sunday when you wake up and it's like, all you have is the important players that are ready to play. I love a good open. So I'll go British too. Uh, I'll go, I'll go us open three and PGA. You're new. You'll learn PGA for me is like a distant fourth. Um, It's fun, but it's always, it's just like they make it 8,000 yards and it's just like a, 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 a mock us open. You get like the Keegan Bradley's of the world winning this thing. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it doesn't float my boat. Okay. Here's the official ranking. There are three tiers. Tier one is <laughs> the tiers. masters. It is a tradition. Unlike any other, it is without a doubt, the greatest thing that has ever happened to golf. It is phenomenal. It is up there with the greatest sporting events across all sports. Uh, in terms of what it what it provides, you know, Game Seven and whatever the Super Bowl, like the Masters is up there, um, and I don't need to explain why. In Tier Two, there are two tournaments. Now, I appreciate the British Open; it's different, it's unique. Links golf is kind of fun, but it's also kind of like, and this will offend so many people, but it's like it's so wonky (laughs) that sometimes it's like, it's just a little weird. Um, Sometimes it's amazing, but you're also usually dealing with some weather and some wind. So it's kind of like eating a really unique dish. I'm not going to want to eat it that frequently. Um, And also I will say this on the time component of it on the West coast. It's a little tough. I love the early starts, but like, holy crap. Okay. So I'm going U S open. The U.S. Open also occasionally played. The great thing about the U.S. Open is they really try to make it super challenging and you see some great courses and they'll occasionally play them on the West Coast where there is nothing better than golf at night. Golf at night is freaking awesome, okay? And if you're on the East Coast, being able to sit up to like 10 watching golf, it's like the one time where it's awesome to live on the East Coast for golf. So the U.S. Open comes in two, the British Open comes in three, and tier four, tier four is classified as, is it even really a major? Do we really care? Is the PGA Championship, okay? It like, no, okay? I, I, it's it's yeah. tough. It's, it's like, uh, you know, the four children and the fourth one, like, decided to drop out of school, and you're like, you know, the parents can't stand him because he's always getting into trouble. Scared Judo away from golf as fast as we we got him in. He's over there like, all yeah. right, fuck you guys. Like, you know, uh, I, I have no, permission. You, my skin. you should, no, Judo, you He's should. Not. I just George making three tiers for four things was maybe the highlight of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You are very welcome. This was the PFF forecast. Uh, make sure you join the printing press Discord. We'll be in there talking about live betting throughout the tournament. Um, the link is in the Twitter, uh, the tweets that we tweet out about the podcast, as well as the YouTube description. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I was about to swear, but I don't want to do that for all the children that listen to this podcast. Um, they already had to endure an landscape dad. So uh, we'll be back on Sunday. We'll do some debriefing of the British. We're going to talk AFC West. It's going to be a great podcast. We love you all. Peace. Peace.